Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Good to see you all on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, I've been blessed so far. I tell you, I've fought the clock sometimes before, but I'm really going to fight it here. So uh, I better get the boxing gloves on and go for it. Turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2 and verse 13. And it says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple area. Both sheep and cattle he scattered, the coins of the money changers, and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, seal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was risen from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. Now let's turn over to Matthew 26, Matthew 26, verse 59. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And then over to Matthew 27, verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. 
They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And then 28 and verse 1. After the Sabbath, and I think Liam has just read this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like that of lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where they led him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And there are many, many other readings we could do, but uh, we'll leave it there just at the moment. And I'm going to pray in a moment, but turn over to... Um, 1 Kings chapter 6 1 Kings chapter 6 and that will do just for now Father thank you for your goodness to us on this weekend and we know it's a big weekend for all of your church right across the world as we remember the hope the glorious eternal never ending hope that when your son rose from the dead, death had been conquered forever. We know that some in our own fellowship will struggle this morning. Pray especially for Andy, that you would give him strength on this particular day. But thank you that this hope says that those who are gone, who loved you and are with you, one day we will meet them again in the sky, and there we will be with the Lord forever. Lord, what a wonderful hope we have in you. Lord, we remember people who are struggling in health this morning. Thank you for Esther back with us here this morning. We pray for your hand upon Tom and Daphne at home. Thank you for Levi rallying this week and getting better. We just pray that you continue with him. Pray for many others who are struggling, for Ursula, especially put your hand upon her, and for Jane's sister Margaret this morning, Lord. We pray for your hand upon them. Thank you that your hope is there for us who trust in you, Lord. And so we put all that hope in you this morning. We ask you that you would open your word to us and speak into our hearts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul rang me. Paul Whiteside, that is. Not the apostle. He doesn't <laughs> ring me. And uh, Paul rang me, I think, tomorrow. It would be two weeks ago. And he says, what do you do on Easter Sunday morning? Could you speak? And I thought, yes, I could. But you always say yes, and then you regret it. After. But I had been reading, in my own reading, uh, about David, the story of David. And I love reading the story of David, but I had continued into the story of Solomon, which I've read before, but never really thought much about. And this really blew my mind, the building of the temple, the first temple. I've been reading this stuff. So when Paul said, would you speak? This is what came into my mind. 
So this morning the question is, what really happened on Easter Sunday morning? What really happened on Easter Sunday morning? It was absolutely, astoundingly glorious beyond anything that is comparable ever and ever will be. And we're going to look at the first temple. And let's just say the first temple is the best that earth could ever give to heaven. But Jesus Christ, who said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days at the cross at Calvary and in the tomb in the garden when he rose again, that was the best that heaven can ever give to earth. And there is the incredible difference. But first of all, you've got to get into your mind how glorious God is that one man, Solomon, would think, what could I do to actually bring a bit of honor to the name of God? So he set it in his heart to build a temple where the name of God would reside. He actually was careful that he didn't say that God would reside there, although the presence of God was underneath the cherubim at the covenant, uh, the, 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 what is that thing called? The mercy seat, yes. Uh, The ark of the, the very one, I've written it down 73 times on this bit of paper, but I can't even look, think of reading it. So the ark of the covenant was set there in this new temple and God resided there, but Some of the things just I wanted to say to you about. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Did you notice that the false testimony that was brought against him, they said that he said, I will destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. That almost sounds today in our modern ears like some terrorist threat. But he never said that. That is the twisted words of false testimony. He said, destroy this temple. And John is very careful to tell us that when he rose from the dead, his disciples remembered what he said and realized that he was talking about his body. Here's some things about the original temple. I can't read all this. It's, It's huge. It starts at chapter Five preparations in one kings for the temple. Uh, That's all about uh, Solomon sending a letter to Hiram, the king of Tyre, to say that my father David is dead, but he had it in his heart to build a temple to the Lord. But because he was a man of blood and he had fighting on every side, he couldn't do that. But God promised that his son that would come on the throne after him would build a temple. And I have peace on every side, Hiram. And I would ask that you would get all your skilled uh, wood-cutting men from Sidonia, just up the coast from you and Tyre, and get them all out there and cut all the wood I need to build this temple for the name of of our Lord. And Hiram was really pleased about this. And he sent a letter back to say that I'm really God that glad that the Lord has put a a very wise king, a son on the throne of David that wants to build this temple. I'll certainly do it if you provide me with all the food and the wages that my workers need. And here's the first thing. Solomon sent 
30,000 of his own men. He picked them out to go and help these skilled craftsmen. Says there were no, no one like the people of Sidonia that were good at uh, chopping down trees and making logs and sorting them all out. But Solomon sent 30,000 of his own men. 10 would go for a month up to Tyre, up into the Sidonian forests and help uh, Hiram's men. 20,000 would stay at home. What were they doing at home? Did they just sit around and wait for the two months to go over? They, they, they would sit around for two months? No, no. Can you imagine what it took to get all those logs and the planks uh, to make them into... These, these would cover all the stone walls of the temple. Incredibly beautiful wood covering everything. And so the 20,000 men that were at home for two months at a time and different shifts would be sawing those logs into planks. They didn't have buzz saws and they didn't have anything. Can you imagine the muscles those guys must have had? And these guys worked round the clock sawing and cutting and, and the wood was produced up in Sidonia, floated down by a tire, right down into Joppa, then taken across land into Jerusalem. Probably a, a journey of over a hundred miles altogether this wood came from. So 30,000 men to start with. Secondly, it says that Solomon uh, counted, if you go into Chronicles, he says he counted all the people that were left over that hadn't been uh, slain from the land, the, the foreigners. And he counted all the working men, and there were 153,600 of them. So 80,000 of those he made stone cutters, and 70,000 of those, or 70,000 he made stone cutters, and 80,000 he made carriers of the stone. And 3,604 men were there to make them work. And they worked and worked and worked, producing stone out of the mountains for this task. Let me read you a bit of it. In the, four, in the 480th year after the Israelites had come out of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Siv, in the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. The temple that Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long. That's about 80 feet. Uh, 20 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. The portico, the portico of the front of the main hall of the temple was 20 cubits wide and extended out 10 cubits in front of the temple. He made narrow windows in the temple against the walls of the main temple and inner sanctuaries. He built structures around the temple in which there, there were side rooms. In building the temple, only blocks dressed of quarry of, at the quarry were used and no hammer or chisel or other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. The entrance to the lower floor was on the south side and a temple stair led up to the middle level from there to the third. 
floor. So we built the temple and completed it, roofing it with beams and cedars and planks and built the side rooms all along the temple. The height of each of was five cubits and they were attached to the temple by beams of cedar wood. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. He lined the interior walls with cedar boards and paneling them from the floor of the temple to the ceiling and covered the floors of the temple with planks of pine. He partitioned off 20 cubits at the rear of the temple with cedar boards from floor to ceiling to form within the temple an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. The main hall in front of the room was 40 cubits long. The inside of the temple was cedar carved with gourds and open floors. Everything was cedar, no stone was seen. He prepared the inner sanctuary within the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold, and he also overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, and he extended gold chains across the front of of the inner sanctuary which was overlaid with gold. He overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. In the the sanctuary, he made a pair of cherubim of olive wood, each 10 cubits high. One wing of the first cherub was five cubits long, the other wing five cubits long, 10 cubits from wingtip to wingtip. The second cherub also measured 10 cubits for the, for the two cherubim were identical in size and shape. The height of each cherub was 10 cubits. This was an amazing, incredible project. Everything was covered in gold. The amount of people involved, 153,000 in slave labor, 30,000 of Solomon's own men in dealing with the wood. And then there were lots of other people involved in, in bronze and all sorts of stuff. The amount of skill that was taken. It took seven and a half years to build this temple. The skill was done by a man from Tyre, who was, whose mother was from Dan. She was a, an Israelite. His name was Haram. And he was skilled in all sorts of incredible, beautiful skillfulness. Read about that in 2 Chronicles 2 onwards. This man built an altar, 30 cubits, 20 cubits wide, 20 cubits long, and 10 cubits deep. Let me tell you how big the altar was itself. 30 feet long and 30 feet wide. You ever thought about the altar, how big it was? It was actually, what was this hole? Maybe 30 feet. Now that much down to there, to that beam, that's just the altar. And this man made this out of bronze and it was seven and a half feet deep. And then he made a sea. That was for the priests to wash in. And it was 10 cubits wide, so it was 15 feet wide. 
and it was uh, seven and a half feet deep. And it held somewhere between, because there's a discrepancy between the Chronicles and the Kings, somewhere between 9,000 and 14,000 gallons of water. And if that was petrol, I would be crying right now. But that's how much it held. Thousands and thousands of gallons in this vast sea. And then this man also made ten other bronze bowls for the people to wash in as they brought their sacrifices. The whole thing was just extraordinary vast. These things, by the way, sat outside in the outer court, outside the temple, not even in the inner court. In the inner court, which was 40 cubits long and 20 cubits wide and 30 cubits high, only the Levites, the priests, were ever allowed into that bit. The ordinary Israelites never even seen it inside it. That's how beautiful and how private it was. And do you know the bit beyond that, the Holy of Holies? For 365 days of the year, and it was so beautiful that he, he overlaid it with 20 tons of gold. It alone, 20 tons of gold. And do you know who saw it for 365 days of the year? God. Only God. And the high priest was allowed to see it one day of the year, and only if he had blood with him. That's the temple. The vastness of it, the amount of people it took to make it, the amount of years it took to make it, and time and energy, the amount of money involved was vast. It said there was so much bronze used. Sorry, I can't read all this. You need to go and read all this. There was so much bronze used. It was so heavy that they didn't even bother weighing it anymore. And when it was finished, this temple, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. I've found out what it's called. They brought the Ark of it, said it in here anyway. And uh, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. And when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant from where David had it in the tent up to the new temple, it says Solomon and all the people with them uh, sacrificed so many animals that they couldn't be counted. The vastness of the sacrifice for this temple was way beyond compare. And then when the temple is being dedicated, and I certainly can't read this, because between the Ark of the Covenant and the dedication of the temple is 1 Kings 8. Put that in your, put a note in your Bible, 1 Kings 8. It's one of the longest chapters in the Bible. It's 66 verses, and they're some of the longest verses I've ever read, so I can't do it here right now. But when Solomon dedicated the temple, Solomon alone sacrificed 20,000 head of cattle. 20,000 head of cattle. Now, if you go down to the lease, and in my day, there were about 220 head of milk and cows in the field, and they're quite big. And when the field was full and there were big fields, that was vast. 
This is a hundred times more than that sacrificed on the day they dedicated the temple. Isn't that just beyond compare? Well, actually there's more. Because Solomon, on that day of dedication, to his own expense, without all the other people bringing their sacrifices, also sacrificed a hundred and 20,000 head of sheep and goats. You get a picture of what this must have been like. The best the earth can give to heaven. Lord, this is what we want to say to you the day we open this temple. That will be a place where you put your name. Vast in sacrifice. And Solomon prayed and prayed and prayed. And I walked the beach the other night and it was just okay until the fire engine came over the hill and disturbed me. And I waved at you. You waved back maybe. And I was looking into the sky. It was just dusk. And I even talked about this last week. But it was before the stars came out. And the vastness of the sky just blew my mind. I thought, how majestic you are, God. Did the same last night. It was beautiful again. And there was one jet aircraft in the sky. And they, the guy flying that must, have think, must think he's quite elite because not too many get up nowadays. And he's the pilot and he's the captain. And he's saying, I'm the captain. I'm your flight. And my flight attendant is such and such. And I'm flying you to New York this, after, this evening. And uh, we'll reach there at, at uh, 10 in the evening. I don't know. But you know what? He was only seven miles up. And the moon, the closest thing to us that God put up there, is 300,000 miles away. And the next closest thing to us which God put there was the sun, the closest star to our planet. And it is 92 million miles away. So the captain of the plane is not big a guy after all. The vastness of the sky. And I said, Lord, what sort of person are you? And Solomon thought the same because after he had finished this majestic, glorious temple, he called it, he said, but how could God live in a man-made structure? He who resides in all of the universe, how could he ever live in a structure made by me? So Lord, just, just listen to our prayers when we make them here. And see our sacrifices when we make them here. And be gracious to us, Lord. That's all I ask. Because actually, I'm the king of this vast, wonderful nation that you've called out in the earth. And you've blessed us incredibly. All the things you've done for my father, David, and for me. But actually, right now... Even with all that gold that I've done all over your temple and all the cut out stone, which must have taken those men, must have taken hundreds of men to move some of the stones, to get them from the hilltops down into there, to get them put together, and none of them were even, so they were measured out perfectly before they ever came. All of that work, and he says, even with all of that effort, I just feel so small today. Who am I? He actually said what I even said last week. He said, who am I?
and you had run out of time to hardly get started. See, by the time you put this on and your glasses and take your mask off and... Anyway. Thousands of stones went into that temple, all dressed before they were brought there. It was a place of absolute holiness. No hammer was to be heard at the temple. All those stones had to be measured. They had to know it was almost like a Lego set. You know when you buy a Lego set now, you get all the pieces and you look at this, the plan and you know where every piece goes. And I still play with Lego if I get a chance. But this was like a Lego set. Every bit was made to fit in. And all those skilled wood craftsmen had everything ready. Nothing was put together or chiseled or hammered at the site. This was a holy place. Thousands of stones and thousands of pieces of timber to make that incredible structure. Thousands of men involved. Nearly 200,000 that we read about and probably far more. Thousands of animals sacrificed just to make joyful celebration that lasted, by the way, for two weeks. They celebrated for a whole week, and then after that whole week, they said, and they celebrated for another. All of that celebration. And then we come this morning on Easter Sunday morning, and we come to God's Son. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. By the way, when we get to the new Jerusalem, this is what Revelation says. Revelation verse, chapter 21, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives light and the Lamb is its lamp. And we don't need a temple anymore because Jesus is the temple. And here's the vast contrast between the building of that first temple and the incredible work that happened on Easter nearly 2,000 years ago. Because instead of thousands of pieces of wood, there was just one wooden cross. Instead of thousands upon thousands of men doing the work, there was just one man. He, him, you quoted this verse last Sunday as well, 1 Peter chapter 2. He himself bore our sins and he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds we are healed. And you read it this morning and I read it again. Instead of thousands upon thousands of stones, it was only one stone that mattered. And it wasn't a big square one. It was a big round one. And it didn't take thousands of men or hundreds of men to get it into Jerusalem. It took a lot of men to get it over 
to seal the tomb. I think he said that lame, but it only took one incredible angel to roll it away. And by the way, he didn't roll it away to let Jesus out. He rolled it away to let Mary and Peter and John in because death nor the grave could hold Jesus. He was already gone. Just one man. Just one wooden cross. No thousands of stones, just one stone. By the way, if you read 2 Chronicles, it says there were a pound and a half, or six, sorry, six pounds, I think it was, of pure gold nails used in the Holy of Holies. That was just the nails alone in the Holy of Holies, solid gold nails. Go down to Bells and ask for those. That'll be a lot plus fat. And... uh, But at the cross of Calvary, just a handful of nails. In fact, probably only three very cruel nails. One in each hand and one through both of his feet, holding Jesus to the one cross, the one man. John the Apostle writes to the people that he loves, calls them dearest children. And he says, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one, we have one who speaks to God in our defense. Jesus Christ, the Holy One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Or as Hebrews puts it, and I know I haven't started to panic and I need to finish. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices that Solomon, like Solomon, brought repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who come near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sin sacrifices are an annual remembrance of our sinfulness. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence 
to enter the most holy place. God welcomes you in any day now through Jesus. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Do you know what? No matter how you feel this morning, you are welcome if you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Right into his, pro- right into his presence. Jesus told the women, actually Mary Magdalene, he told Mary Magdalene, go and tell my brothers not incredible, my brothers, that I am going to my God and their God. We are one with Jesus this morning. Glorious truth. No more need for sacrifice, no more need for temples. All of that was temporary. Jesus' resurrection is permanent. And one day we're going to go to heaven and be with him forever. And there'll be no temple, for God Almighty himself is the temple and the Lamb. And I just think that's beyond our imagination. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for Solomon's vast sacrifice and wealth and time and labor and energy and sacrifices. And yet it's nothing, Lord. And yet you send your son into the world. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is with the Father, has made him known. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, Lord, simply as I close, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Easter weekend. Thank you for Good Friday when you laid down your body for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for Saturday in between when you wrestled with death and overcome death and sin forever and Easter Sunday morning when the tomb was empty and it was proclaimed he has risen. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are in heaven at God's right side, sitting there interceding for us this morning, sinful as we are. We thank you, Lord, in your lovely name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Derek. Our closing hymn, Hallelujah for the Cross, has been chosen by Derek and Claire. After that, immediately Josh will come up and close in prayer for us.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you again that we, be, we can be gathered to, today, Father. And Lord, especially on Easter Sunday, just how amazing it is, Lord, to be reminded of the sacrifice that you paid, Father. You sent your one and only Son, Lord, die on a cross for us, Father, to suffer for us, for our sins, sins that we do not, we do not deserve, Lord, to um, be forgiven, Father. And Lord, just as we leave today, Lord, let us pray for those who couldn't be here today. Let us pray for their safety, Lord, and their wellness. Let us pray that we are reaching the end of this pandemic, Father, and that one day, Lord, we can all be gathered together again, united as one, Lord, to continue to serve you, to worship you, and to spread your word, Father. And let us not forget, Lord, what you do for us each and every day, Father. Amen. Thank you very much, Josh. Now we'll just have the announcement announcements. Um, as you can see.